Welcome to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by North Coast. I'm Justin Nielsen, your host, and it's Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. And as always, I'm joined by Arusha Piras, O'Neill Global Advisors, Portfolio Manager. Welcome back, Arusha. Thanks for being here. Hey, great to be here, Justin. And, and we have a really special guest today, Mark Minervini. Uh, talk about someone that just really knows his stuff. This is an author of uh, books on stock market trading, like Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard and Think and Trade Like a Champion. He's also the founder of Minervini Private Access. He's a U.S. investing champion on his way to maybe getting another championship under his belt. And, oh, I'm checking my notes, and it also says he's a generally nice guy. That was something <laughs> that just got added in. So, uh, Mark Minervini, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I got three out of four of those, right? So that's <laughs> okay. And, and people can do their own research and uh, figure out which one was the uh, one that didn't belong. So <laughs> on today's show, we're going to be talking to Mark a little bit about the market, how he's been handling it, and specifically how he's been not only reducing his drawdowns, but still making progress in a market that has been very difficult, uh, and really what kind of leads to his success. And that's really discipline and sacrifice, you know, two things that are very hard to do, easy to talk about, but hard to do. Uh, and of course, we'll be talking a lot about stocks. Um, this one's going to be a little bit more chart heavy. Uh, so for those of you that, you know, are maybe listening to this on your car ride, uh, maybe you want to uh, check out the show notes afterwards and, and see some of the charts that we're talking about, because uh, Mark is going to be uh, leading the charge and showing charts to us. Uh, Rusha gets a break from flashing the charts himself. So let's get right into it. Mark, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the market and talk a little bit about uh, the, the difficulties, I guess, uh, that the indexes have been having lately? You know, are we in a correction? You know, the indexes have been going up, but it hasn't necessarily translated to a lot of portfolios. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're in a correction, at least in individual stocks, at least in you know some sectors and some areas in the market. And depending what you look at, first of all, you have S&P 500. Um, you've got uh, S&P stocks, more than 80% of them have already corrected 10% or more. And more telling is the percentage of stocks below their 200-day, or I should say above their 200-day moving average, uh, and the NASDAQ, which is only at about 36%. So you're looking at you know, two thirds of the market is already, or at least the NASDAQ is already below its 200 day long-term moving average. So right there, that would tell you that you're in somewhat of a correction uh, in, in NASDAQ stocks uh, as far as the individual stocks are concerned, but you're just so not seeing Mark, it. In, Mark, yeah, you're Mark, not seeing it in the indexes yet. So yeah, go, going a little bit more into that where you have the indexes still kind of slowly mm -hmm. trending higher underneath the surface, two thirds or below the 200 day. What's so important about that divergence? Well, of course, the, you know, you're looking at an index. When you look at the S&P 500, there are 500 names. They're capitalization weighted. So really, there's just a handful of names that are affecting that. When you look at the Dow, there's only 30 stocks and they're mm -hmm. price weighted. Um, so, you know, Q's, of course, are, are you know, all these uh, big uh, mega cap companies account for a big portion of these indexes. So you're not really getting a really fair representation of the broad market. Um, so when you look at the individual stocks are equally weighted and you look at the percentage of stocks you know, above their 200 and the index is far above the 200, but you've only got 36% above the 200 day, that tells you that the ice is melting beneath your feet. Right. 
and, and that, that kind of seems like it's a do you feel lucky punk you know I, I, do you think <laughs> exactly. that you're good enough to get the the 36 percent that are still yep. above the 200 or uh are you finding yourself in the other you know the, the majority at this point um but yep. you know looking at the s p 500 i think one of the things that's um I, again as as we were talking about that's been a little bit deceiving is it seems like there's been this buy on the dip mentality you know the s p 500 keeps on coming back to its 50 day moving average line, getting support. But after like the eighth or ninth time, you gotta wonder how long can that go? And it certainly seems like it's for the first time spending some time below that 50 day moving average line now. This is a similar situation that happened in 2018 where the market had very little volatility for a long period of time and just kept meeting support on every little pullback. I, I think, you know, Justin, you know, the statistic better than me, uh, just a couple percent, right? It went along how many days? Yeah, it was like, I think 3.4% was the biggest correction for like 400 days or something like that. Yeah. Uh, starting in 2016 and ending uh, at the beginning of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And then it rolled over pretty hard, you know, and that's what usually happens when you get that lack of volatility for an extended period of time. Uh, eventually you, you pay the piper um, and, and, and it conditions everybody to, you know, keep buying those dips. And then before you know it, you know, of course, it, the, the dip that keeps on dipping comes. Uh, so so I, the question is, you know, are we there? You know, have we have we played this out? And is this going to be the pullback that pulls back even more? Uh, it start, it's looking more and more like that might be the case this time. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's it's also a seasonally weak, you know, time period. We're right in the middle of volatility and very similar to the Q4 of 2018, you know, fast forward to after that uh, low volatility period, you know, at the end of 2018, we kind of had a, a little bit of a, uh, a Fed concern, you know, what, what was going to be going on with the Fed. And that seems to be rearing its head as the 10-year treasury yield has been, you know, jumping pretty, pretty spectacularly lately. Um, so there, there's those issues too, right? Yeah. Well, two things. One, I think it was Ke uh, I, I think it was Kevin Martyr that recently said, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase, but when you've been doing this for a while, you learn to respect the September, October, November period. Um, and, and you know, this is definitely a period where you have volatility. And going into it, it's a seasonally weak period. Um, so that's, you know, seasonality. I don't trade on seasonality, but I am aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the Fed's concerned, I'm pretty surprised that, and I think maybe the markets, maybe the reality is starting to set in here. Uh, I thought the Fed news of talking about tapering, you know, sooner was not great news. Um, so market handling it well was definitely something that, uh, I, 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 I want to see, but again, I'm going to wait to see if we get a hangover from it. And now it looks like we are. And, and the tenure as well is starting to, uh, to surge a bit. Uh, so that, that could, you know, be where we, uh, and then well, maybe we'll blame, you know, Evergrande or something. That'll be the, you know, that'll be the scapegoat, but I think it's more uh, based on interest rates and, uh, and, and the fed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a lot to cover uh, right now just with the market. Um, we can go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to get a little bit deeper into your discipline, your sacrifice, and everything that's making you a great trader and U.S. investing champion. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. To help alleviate some of the pain that comes from bear markets, we recommend investing 20 to 25% of the equity portion of your portfolio in a tactical strategy. If you're especially risk-averse, we recommend a higher percentage. In 2008, the market declined 
Yet our portfolio was only down 12%. Why? Because the conditions for investing were poor, so we held a lot of cash. Visit northcoastam.com tactical. All investments involve risk, including loss of some or all of an investment. May not be suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by North Coast. Uh, we have Arusha Pires along with myself, Justin Nielsen as your host and our special guest, Mark Minervini. So Mark, you were talking a little bit about how there really has been a correction kind of in place uh, for a while now. And maybe if we start by just pulling up the, the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ, either one, and maybe you could walk us through a little bit about how you've been handling uh, your own portfolio, because at least on the U.S. Investing Championship, uh, what what you're in the the money manager division, uh, million plus, right, right now? Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, you really haven't been giving up any ground whatsoever, even though uh, you know the Nasdaq was basically you know in in a in a little bit of a correction for mid February for months and months, um, just a correction through time. The S&P 500, it's been doing its pullbacks, getting to new highs, but now it's trading below the 50-day moving average line. How have you been handling this market? Yeah, so I should just point out, I'm in the money manager division, the $1 million plus, but I'm not managing other people's money. So it's, yes, still, it's, yes. it's my own personal account. I put up my mm-hmm. own personal money just to make, just to, uh, make sure to make that clear. Good clarification. Yeah, but, but um, you know, how I've been handling it back, going all the way back to January, February-ish, um, I started noticing that we were getting, you know, one, two, three days of rally out of these breakouts, and then they would fail. And they come crashing in and either, you know, they were stopping me out at break even many times or even, you know, hitting, hitting stops and I was losing money on trades. So I just, I made an adjustment. I said, you know, I'm just going to sell these stocks right into this first rally. And it it worked so perfectly that I just I kept doing it and kept doing haven't, kept doing what's working since. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh-huh. it, it's um it, it I think there's been a real opportunity here and, and some people um you know have have uh, on Twitter and, and and social media have asked me many times if I changed my strategy or um, you know what I'm doing uh, differently I'm I'm not really doing anything differently except I'm selling sooner and I'm adjusting my stop accordingly uh, based on that that risk reward profile uh, but I, I should point out that I'm not like I'm not like day trading from you know one minute or five minute charts and and changing anything I'm still buying the breakouts from bases that I'd be buying if I was buying for a swing trade or even if I was going to hold it for a year or more um, the unique situation that's taken place for the last, I'd say, you know, eight months now has been, you just keep getting set up after setup after setup of these fairly good sized bases. And you get these breakouts that you, that you would think would be great for a swing trader or, or, or long-term hold, but they don't, they, they come back in very quickly and there's volatility around the pivot point. But the opportunity is, is that they do rally for a couple of days and they're giving you these short-term opportunities over and over and over. So I just been capturing them and, and compounding the money, rolling it over. Now, you know, if there were no setups, if there were no setups on the daily charts, I'd be flat right now. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be doing anything. So I, I don't switch. And if, you know, swing trading is not working and those setups aren't there, I don't switch to day trading and start using intraday charts. That's, I'm using the same daily charts. Mm-hmm. Mark, uh, t- yeah. So talk about 
a period or, or just uh, where you were flat for a while, where you just didn't see setups and you had to discipline because most people listening to this, they're not going to have the discipline, right? When you're not doing well, your, your timing's off and it could stay off for a while. And or the market might be just entering a correction or it could be a stealth correction like we have now. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at the index is going, wait a minute, everything's fine. But in fact, the market's correcting beneath the surface and the, the signs are there. So um, what what I do, you know, is if I'm having trouble, I I go I come down to very small trading. I take my position sizing way down, my exposure down. And if that's not working, I just go to cash. And then I, and I watch and I wait till things start working. So I'm always, I'm like a caboose and the market's the engine. I'm, I'm always following. I'm never trying to guess. And uh, you know, when you're doing this for 37 years and you've had a degree of success, it's very easy to get cocky. So you have to be careful that you don't get arrogant and start thinking that you know something and they start guessing uh, and, and, uh, and front running your research. Um, so, but you, your question you asked was, you know, period where I stayed out and this is what I call sit out power. Yes. Now, this is the, the real, actually sit out power is probably takes more discipline than being disciplined to buy and, and institute a lot of the rules to trade stocks because most people they're dying to trade, you know, they want right. to get in there and get that action, but yeah. sitting out is really, what's most important. And we, we talked about this uh, before the show that, you know, O'Neill, I, I met Bill O'Neill uh, many, many, many years ago. And, and he, I'll paraphrase, but he convinced me about one thing. He said, you know, when you're doing nothing, the undisciplined and the unskilled are laying the groundwork for your success. And, and, and that it was a fortune in that statement. Um, and I took that to heart and 1993, mid 93, I didn't make much, but a couple trades all the way until almost nine, April of 95. Wow. Um, so wow. I went, yeah, it was like two years of just doing almost nothing because just nothing was setting up and nothing was working. Um, then when the market rolled over in 2000, went into 2001, it really started, got nasty. I, I was out pretty much with the uh, exception of, I was actually short on 9-11, which uh, um, um, fortunately for me, but it, it was sort of a, uh, uh, as uh, what was it uh, in Wall Street, uh, uh, Sir Larry Wildman going off of a cliff in, in my new Maserati. It was sort of, you know, that because it was such a horrible time. And, and um, I had friends that, you know, perished in the, in the world trade. Uh, but um, there, back then, the only stocks that were setting up were defense stocks and mm -hmm. the market was rolling over and I was short. And I was actually thinking about going long defense stocks, which again, that just tells you about the intelligence in it's the market. Incredible. Defense yeah. stocks were setting up and the market was rolling over just before 9-11, something to think about. Um, I probably, if I was, I always said, if I was short defense stocks and long, I, the FBI would have probably showed up. And said, <laughs> exactly. I know something about this, this right. pending yeah. attack. Um, so, you know, that was a period where I was out for for another you know it was like two year period where i did very little uh, some shorting and uh, there was just no longs that were setting up um then 08 09 you know when we rolled over into 08 mm -hmm. uh, going even after we bottomed in 09 it was treacherous I, I think that's probably the most difficult market that i've ever traded was coming off the 09 bottom it just mm -hmm. wasn't like most bear market bottoms where the leaders set up and you you get it right and you're off to the races. That was like, wow, it was just all over the place volatility. And it yeah. took a while before you could get your footing. 
Well, um, growth, growth, it seemed like it took months to right. catch on uh, after that yeah. bottom. It was really the, the value plays. Cause I mean, remember, I mean, Bank of America and Ford and Citigroup. I mean, they were all trading like around a few a bucks, dollar, you know. Right, yeah. So it, it was yeah. it was those bounces um, from the things that were beaten down so hard that was really driving the indexes for a while. And uh, yeah, it, it, I I absolutely agree with you. That was a very different market environment during that period. I had to actually make a little bit of an adjustment to my parameters because I don't buy stocks below twelve dollars and. Mm-hmm. At that particular time, like it was like everything (laughs) (laughs) until they started reverse splitting. (laughs) Like some of the biggest, most well-respected companies in the world were 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 trading like you know penny stocks and single-digit numbers, uh, uh, prices. So it was yeah, it was a very strange environment back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, well, and and really, it sounds like what it comes down to, uh, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit, is you're listening to the market. You know, you're, you're not trying to do those revenge trades. When the market tells you something very clearly, you don't get that sense of, well, I know better and, or, you know, I'll show you type thing. It's, it's really just, you know, paying attention to the uh, statistics that you have, the, you know, what's happening in your trading, what's happening in the market and, you know, letting the market be your guide. There's two words that if you don't come to know and love and live, uh, you're going to have a tough time in the market and probably not a very good career. Those two words are respect risk. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to respect risk at all times. And, and, that, and again, like I said, after a while, you know, you have success and you start getting sloppy and you think it's easy. And that's when things can go really, really bad. You're, usually you get your, your, your biggest or your worst beatings come after your biggest successes. So you just, that's when you really got to get your guard up. Mm-hmm. And in terms of cutting losses, you know, what, what is it that you do uh, to, to make sure you're always minimizing your risk? Um, I mean, a lot of people look at, you know, ways in which they reduce risk by, oh, I'm not going to trade right before earnings, or I'm not going to, um, you know, be buying, you know, breakouts because, you know, breakouts are failing. What, what, what is your best way of reducing risk? And I know you, you've wrote a couple books on this, so it's not something you're necessarily going to be able to say in a few words, but uh, anything that sticks out to you? Well, I mean, as far as reducing risk is concerned, you know, I'm always uh, uh, losses are a function of expected gain. So I'm always trying to get a handle on what I can expect on the upside. So for instance, in this most recent period, my upside has been a lot less because stocks are just not giving us that upside. So right. now I've got to make up for that. I've got to now truncate or, or shorten my, my losses to make up for that. So I'm always measuring what I'm pulling out of the market on average on, on the gain side. And then I don't want to risk any more than I, I want to have a two to one. So mm-hmm. I want to be risking 50 cents for a dollar. I prefer even I'd like to have a three to one. That's what I'm really shooting for. But at a bare minimum, I want a two to one. So if if I'm pulling 8% out of the market, I can't take 8% losses. The 8% max stop rule is going to be off the table at that time. And I'm going to have to average uh, less than that if I'm averaging 8%. And even if I'm right, you know, 50, let's say 50% of the time. Now, if I'm right less than 50% of the time, you know, this is a period where I'll bet most of the viewers here, if they went back and they looked at their trading in the last six or eight months, they're, I'll bet you their batting average is really low. Even if you're maintaining that, uh, that ratio and you're right. cutting your losses in relation to your gains, it's probably a period where your batting average is low and probably in the 30s. And, and 
and that's because of the whipsaw. That's the whipsaw environment, which the other thing about managing risk is you have to realize that people think a bear market is, is you know, it's dangerous to go into a correction. Actually, no, the, the sideways market is the most dangerous market for a breakout trader that uses tight stops because that's where you get whipped in and out, in and out, and you get death by a thousand cuts. When you roll over, you go into a bear market, everything stops you out, nothing sets up, and that's it. You're in cash. Uh, you know, that's, you know, we'd love to have it where they, it just, the market rolls over knocks you out everything and then has a big correction that would make it real easy, but it's these whipsaw markets uh, that are really the ones that you have to survive. And what I do is if things aren't working in those, and if, if my trading's not working and I'm not producing, uh, profits, I sit out and, and I wait it out. Um, and I'll go in with little pilot buys and just put to keep my finger on the pulse right. and uh, put my toe in the water until that's working. I don't get aggressive. I never get aggressive until I'm having those pilot buys and those smaller buys work. And then I'll start increasing my exposure. So one of the things about managing risk is to work with profits. And before mm -hmm. you get aggressive, if you're not profitable at 25%, there's no reason to go to 50% exposure. If you're not profitable at 50% exposure, there's no reason to go to 75 or 100. There's no intelligent reason whatsoever to be raising your exposure when you're not profitable. And one of the ways to, to, to look at that is to just look at your last five trades. Have, have, have your last five trades made money on balance? And if not, maybe you, you try another four or five trades, have those trades made money on balance? If you if your answer is no, and you came into the market a couple of times and took three, four or five trades, and you're not making money, then right there, that gives you all the information you need to know about whether things are working or not, and you should be getting aggressive. But you know, another thing that I think is interesting about uh, the, the, the math involved. And, and there is some math here, you know, that you, you have those ratios of your risk reward set up to such a point where you can be wrong a lot and still make a fortune. So how is it that you do that? And, and, you know, maybe share some statistics, because I think people would be surprised with how many losing trades uh, you, you can have and still come out so far ahead. Yeah, I, I have lots of losing trades, only but my losses are very small in relation to my gains. Right. So as far as the math is concerned, and you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier. Um, I what I did back when I first started trading, I I I wanted to figure out how all the trading rules and uh, and I went to O'Neill seminars and, and and so forth, and even David Ryan, who now you know, trains with me at the master trader program, I was going to see David Ryan 30 years ago and learning. Mm -hmm. um, so, but once I got that and I started, I started uh, understanding how to apply uh, the buy rules and the stop losses, I wanted to really dig in and, and get behind the actual mathematics of it. And I started using uh, a lot of techniques or, or uh, 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 a lot of uh, an approach like futures traders did where they really got mathematical about it and I just started getting obsessed with my statistics and measuring everything. How many days I hold my winners? How many days I hold my losers? What's my maximum drawdown? What's my, you know, what, what's my average drawdown from peak? What I'm giving, that's my give back. Uh, what my average gain is, my average loss, you know, my, my ratio adjusted for batting average, all the statistics. And I just started, I, what happened was, is as I started trading, I realized that when you do that, it makes its way into your trading. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. This is like really key. Once you start doing your numbers and you're aware, so let's just say you've done your average. You 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 know what your average gain is. You look at your last hundred trades. Your average gain is 
8.9%, let's say. Okay, so now you're in there, you're making a trade, stock starts going against you. It's down 4%, it's down 5%, it's down 6%. You know, the little bell that goes off in your head, you start thinking, wow, my average gain is 8.9. I can't let this trade go bigger than 8.9 or I'm right. losing, right. 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 right? And that's if you're right 50% of the time. So, and if you're having trouble and your batting average is lower than that, well, that number is even lower. So now you're thinking, you're, 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 you're trading and you're thinking based on the math, you're letting the math come into your trading and you have this awareness and it improves your trading. And that's where things really started to change for me, where I started making decisions. All, all my decisions became mathematical decisions, just like in a poker game, you know, you, you've got $50 into the pot. You don't bet $500 into a $50 pot. Now you're, you're laying 10 to one odds. But if there was a $500 pot and you bet $50 in it, now you're getting 10 to one odds. So you have to always be thinking risk versus reward. And the, the main rule that I have is always get odds on your money. One thing is, and you started the, the whole episode out with this, where early this year you were taking quick profits and you learned, okay, that's the strategy. Now, there's something about sacrifice, right? Where you're taking those quick profits um, but you're giving up those big gains. Talk a little bit more about that because a lot of times people want both things. They want both the quick <laughs> profits, but then they want to hold on to the big winners. Okay, so two things. One, how this actually started was I wasn't taking quick profits mm -hmm. and I'm holding them and then I'm giving it all back. So yes. that's how it actually started where, yeah, so now I'm, I'm holding the stocks trying to play for a swing move. And then I'm realizing, whoa, I could have captured a nice 8%, 10%, 12% move in three days. And I started noticing that stock after stock after stock were breaking out. But they, they, the natural reaction that some of you who know me, you can read about this in, in, my, in my books, then going through that first natural reaction wasn't natural. It wasn't, the stocks weren't pulling back and then going back into high ground. They're pulling back and then pulling back more and then stopping me out. So that was the first observation. So then I switched over and I started, I changed. Now, to your point, um, there's, the word is sacrifice. You have to, you have to be willing to sacrifice in all things. I mean, uh, um, you know, if you were to become a, a, you know, a sports player, you're going to play baseball. You're certainly not going to be a great baseball player and basketball player and hockey player, right? You're going to put your life into a particular sport and, uh, that you love and, 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 uh, or, or profession or business and specialists get paid really well. If you become really great at something. So again, you have to sacrifice and it's a, probably a good time to show maybe some charts of some of the stocks that, uh, you know, I bought and it sounds great that, you know, okay, you, you bought these stocks and they went up and you made, and you capture those quick profits, but there's a lot of times where I took that profit in two days and the stock went up and doubled. Right. So I, so in order to capture that small profit, you've got to give up the big move. Right. Um, and so, and to get the big move, you might have to go through pullbacks that give, you know, you're, you're up, you're up eight or 10%. And now you're playing it for a bigger move. Stocks come, stock comes all the way back, stops you out. And now you could have taken the eight or 10%. So this leads into that Monday morning quarterbacking, right. you know, regret. Yes. Uh, I should have, I would have. <laughs> right. You have to go in with a plan, execute that plan, and then realize that that is at the cost. There's always a cost. You know, every plan is going to have a cost. So you can't be everything. So make a decision. You know, I made a decision that I'm going to go with this until the market tells me that there's a better 
option on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a couple of the ones that we were talking about, I mean, like Moderna, you, yeah, you know, brought that, that up, up. Uh, ticker symbol MRNA. Um, you know, this has been one of the, the darlings of the vaccines. Um, yeah. So go ahead and walk us through uh, how you handled this one. <laughs> so Moderna, I bought right here mm -hmm. on the 29th. Let me just make sure that's right. Yeah. 29th. I bought this right here on the 29th. I sold it on the 30th, <laughs> the mm -hmm. very next day. I sold it on the 30th. Now, again, for a couple of days, I, I guess I was right. But then yep. look at this. Look yeah. what I left on the table. Then it went up 100%. Mm -hmm. All right. So but but I'm up I'm up 200 and whatever it is, 63% right now for the year. I think it's a little more now, 270% for the year. So you're doing so, OK. So I'm doing okay, but, but again, so, but see, I got there with sticking to a plan. Yes. You can get there, you know, you can get there by having a big mover or you can get there by trading and having a, a lot of trades that you compound. Uh, but you know, my plan was to capture the, those, this, this is an aberration, first of all, because most of the stocks that I've been trading, you know, if I didn't sell in two or three days, they just come back down and stop me out and, and I've been losing money. It's just the batting average is just too low on the swing trade side uh, to, you know, again, every now and then you're going to get these moves, but does the reward pay for the risk? That's the key. Is the reward paying for the risk? How much risk are you taking? And that's, that, that's just not with stop losses. That's with how many trades are working. And there just weren't enough trades working to justify uh, trying to get this type of move. But this is of course, certainly painful to watch after you sell For it. Sure. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think, you know, you recognized that this was an aberration. You looked at all your trades and you're like, okay, this is what's working for me. Yes, I left, you know, money on the table on this case, but if if you would, you know, I, I think what happens with a lot of people is they switch because of the aberration and it ruins their entire trading plan. Yeah. Well you're always going to get a reason to switch. Yeah. You're, you're, oh, every day the market will justify just about anything. I, I used to say, if you were to watch beetles scurrying around long enough and, and, and you'd probably figure out some pattern that would correspond <laughs> with the market. Right. You could say, you know, when they do this, the market rallies and, you know, the football indicator and all these oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, think, so I think Chris Gessel came up with like a Laker indicator uh, back in the early <laughs> 2000s when the Lakers were, you know, hey, when, when they do a three-peat, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's hilarious. You can back into just about any rationalization in the market on any one day. That's why discipline is so important. I know people have been saying, you know, they, they say, oh, if everybody reads your books. Now, I heard them say this to O'Neill, by the way, and I'm sure... Yeah. They said it to Jesse Livermore too in the 1930s. I remember, you know, people saying to O'Neill, and this is, you know, 30 years ago, if everybody does this, wouldn't it make it not work? You know, and then of course I made an entire career on those, on, on those principles going forward for the next 30 years. And now yeah. they say the same thing to me. You know, if everybody yeah. reads your book and they do it, trust me, everybody's not going to do it. <laughs> and, and even if everybody wants to do it, very few are going to have the passion to be able to really stick with it. And, and, and even fewer are going to have the discipline to actually do it and do it correctly and to, to have the discipline. So, so again, you know, there's, you can rationalize so easily in the market, uh, but yeah. uh, you got you to gotta have that discipline. <laughs> well, when we come back, we are going to take a look at some of the charts uh, that have made your year or what you've learned from them uh, and what you can share those lessons with our audience. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. To help alleviate some of the pain that comes from bear markets, we recommend investing 20 to 25% of the equity portion of your portfolio in a tactical strategy. If you're especially risk averse, 
we recommend a higher percentage. In 2008, the market declined 37%, yet our portfolio was only down 12%. Why? Because the conditions for investing were poor, so we held a lot of cash. Visit northcoastam.com tactical. All investments involve risk, including loss of some or all of an investment. May not be suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by North Coast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, along with Arusha Paris and our special guest, Mark Minervini. So, Mark, uh, before we get into some charts, and you've got a lot of charts to show us, um, you've got a master trader program that's coming up. And Arusha, I know you've been there, so maybe you can start talking a little bit about your experience and we can have Mark fill in some details for us. Yeah, no. So I, I was a director of MarketSmith for many years, and a few years ago, we were we were proud to support Mark and the Master Trader program. And so I had a chance to go to the live events uh, the last two times they did it live, and uh, it, it's an amazing, amazing program. Uh, it's uh, it's Mark's life work, and I'm taking your, some of your lines, Mark here. But uh, three days we we were there, and I was just amazed that Mark would stand up on stage for 10 to 12 hours and just answer every question, walk through every step of his process and go over example over example. It it was a, it's an amazing, amazing experience. Now the cool thing is, you know, because we would have tons of people coming to Myrtle Beach. Now you can just watch it online, get immersed online and still get the same experience. So Mark, talk a little bit about it because it, it really is your life for it. Yeah, well, it, again, it was a three-day event live, but now it's actually five days. There's four wow. days of curriculum. There's a day of live trading with myself, David Ryan, uh, Mark Ritchie, uh, that you read in Momentum Masters. A whole bunch of us are there. And we're also adding midweek, we're adding in some days with some special guest and a Q&A session. So it's actually going to be seven days. Um, <laughs> and the, the really the, the coolest part of this, and I've said this many times, but, you know, working with uh, David Ryan has just been amazing. He's been with me now for like eight years. But, you know, I went to O'Neill seminars and, and went and saw David when, you know, 30 years ago. But what's even more uh, just great for me this year is that we've added in uh, Larry Height is going to be speaking. He's a special guest and he was in, of course, the first market wizards. And he is really uh, was instrumental in being a, 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 a mentor that he didn't even know, but the market wizards books were like my Bibles at the time. Um, and then of Tom Basso, who was also, he's a guest uh, uh, going to be a guest speaker. Um, and uh, he was in market wizards too, of course, Stan yeah. Weinstein, who, Wow. Uh, wow. Yep. Yeah. And Stan, I met Stan in 1990 and uh, met, met him in New York City and had lunch with him. And he explained to me about the four stages. And that's how I got into the stage two uptrend. And yeah. I started adding some you know, elements and turned on my computers and studied that and found that he was absolutely correct that the, uh, the big moves happened in that in that stage two. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, uh, uh, Mark Ritchie as well, who uh, is, in my opinion, a modern day uh, market wizard. Uh, he's featured in momentum masters so it's just this is really this is the biggest event that we've ever had so it's uh, really going to be special and it's online so anybody in the world can attend so mark when okay so when is it and how do people find more information about it okay Um, i always i always don't (laughs) i think it's november 13th it starts in november 13th 
Um, it's either the 13th or the 14th, and it goes for two days. And then in midweek, we have this, those guest sessions. And then it's the next weekend, um, which would be two more days of curriculum. And then that Monday, we do a full day of live trading. And then, of course, you're going to be there, Arusha, yep. uh, and going over MarketSmith. And, uh, and we, we, what we do with MarketSmith is we actually show how David and myself, how we screen. Uh, and using MarketSmith. And then, uh, and Arusha always teaches us something new about using MarketSmith. Every year I learn something more about how to utilize the tool itself. So wow. minervini.com, they can just go to the website yeah, well, there and get information? For the, for the workshop, it's uh, the, the letter four, stocktraders.com. Okay. Perfect. You know, and that that's just, again, a lot of people don't realize that, hey, look, this takes work. It's take, it takes educating yourself. And uh, what makes it easier is when you can learn from people that have been very successful at it. And it sounds like you have a whole host of people to kind of offer uh, your attendees in addition to yourself and David Ryan. So let's get into some of the lessons. Um, you know, and again, it's not going to be seven days. We're going to, you know, try and pack as much as we can in into our remaining segment here. Um, but maybe you could share your screen and talk about some of the stocks that have struck you as, you know, giving some good lessons about this market and uh, maybe what's on your radar right now. Do you see anything setting up currently? Well, I mean, as far as currently, not really. Not really. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, no, not, not a whole lot. There, there's maybe a few things. I mean, I'm right now, we're, we're long uh, Tesla um, that was just bought just a couple of days ago. It came, this is a pretty large base here. Uh, I don't know, this you know, stock is starting to look uh, late stage here, but uh, they seem to, you know, they keep resetting and, and, uh, and, and uh, going higher here. So I uh, tried to play this coming out right here. Um, but again, you know, I'm also short the S&P uh, from uh, 9.13, uh, September 13th is when I uh, put that short on. And even with this most recent rally, I actually added to it. Uh, so I, I'm short and I'm mostly in cash, just long, uh, just a couple names here. Um, but on the one that we, we bought recently um, and has really worked quite nicely. And if, again, if we were coming out of a bear market, this would be like the absolute quintessential setup. Um, yeah. It's virtually perfect in all ways. So I think this is a really good model. Even if it failed, it would be a good model of something mm -hmm. that, you know, looked perfect and then failed. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, again, this uh, Penske Automotive, uh, I actually bought it right here. Um, and you can see that's on 9-1. So it tightened up quite nicely, had my v my my signature VCP characteristics with are just uh, uh, within a cup with handle. Um, so and for again, people that don't know what does VCP stand for? So volatility contraction pattern. And this right. is sort of I pretty much I've made my whole career on on this volatility contraction uh, uh, approach. But again, this this is just a perfect cup of handle. Um, but it actually it came off for a couple of days. You see here one, two, three, four days down, but that wasn't enough to to have us hit our stop. So, so it, it held in there and then it came back and it actually tightened up and actually improved. Yeah. And this is something that you have to realize about a stock. It, it could, you know, you could have a stock that that's moving sideways and, and actually as time goes by, it gets even better, you know, and it morphs from maybe, you know, a pair of Queens using poker analogy to Kings or aces. And this really started to look like aces right here. And, and uh, I've recently made some comments on this uh, stock, but it broke out and you can see one, two, three days up. It only came down for one day and then boom, right into new high ground. And that's a, a term that I call tennis ball action from natural reaction. And it's just holding up like a champ. I had 
uh, sold this. And I, the, we actually uh, scaled out of it a bit. I think the, the largest profit that I took was about maybe 17 or 18% on this little move here, uh, but still holding up real good. This has total canceling characteristics. You can see here, earnings are accelerating. You've got sales accelerating, and you've even got margins here that are improving in the most recent quarter, um, which is another thing I'll, I'll definitely got to give a, some market smith some props here because putting this information, the earnings, the sales, and the profit margins, where you can compare them like this for four quarters, is absolutely key. Um, you, this is really all you need with growth stocks is earnings, sales, and margins, and it's all right here. Um, so that that's the benefit of using market smith, and I've been using it for thirty years now. Um, so this this looks good. You know, it's it's definitely extended. I would not buy it here. Uh, right. But this is this is one that has worked. Hey, um, and so, Mark, let, let me stop you there for one second. Now, there, there are a couple of things here. Now, the, where you first purchased it on that day, it was down and then you were down three or four percent, but you didn't sell out because you had a plan. Talk a little bit more about that, because that is something that a lot of people are going to say, you know what, I'm out of this. And, and they, they, they're going to miss it, and they're definitely going to miss the, the next part of it. Talk about calling an audible and, and uh, sticking to your plan. So I think the audible side is really the, good, the best part of the point you know, that you're making here is that, okay, if you go into it and your plan is to cut your loss at, say, I don't know, the previous day's low or right, fair enough. 2%, okay, that's your plan. Then you've executed your plan. But if you go in there and you're, you're saying, okay, this is the technical level that I'm going to set this at, and this case, it was this 8348 level. That's where I, I, I would uh, have deemed that this chart soured, if you will. Um, so if, the, if that risk is acceptable, when you make that decision originally, well, then you should stick with that plan and carry that out. Um, and an audible would be to let your emotions come in. And all of a sudden you say, ah, oh, this is going to stop me out. I'm going to get out anyway. And then look what happens. Turns around, bang, takes off. Uh, you know, just a quick story. I've told this before, but uh, I, I had one of my first assistants uh, that I had back in the, uh, the early 90s. Um, we, we were in Stryker. And I had bought it breaking out and it had pulled back. And it was back then we, we were in eighths. So was, that was the, the smallest that a stock moved. We were eighth of a point away from getting stopped out. And so he said to me, I'm going to sell, I'm going to sell striker here. It's going to stop us out. I said, well, it hasn't stopped us out yet. He says, yeah, it's going to stop us out. It's one tick down. It's an eighth of a point down. I said, well, I'm going to wait until it hits that eighth. I waited all this time. Why would I circumvent it now with only an eighth of a point more? Mm -hmm. So he sold the stock. The stock never hit that eighth, turned around and I, I made a double on it. Um, oh, man. So, yeah, we, we've talked about this for, I'm still friends with him to this day, 30 years later, we still talk about it. <laughs> So, 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 you know, again, I, you go in with that plan, stick with that plan and then uh, execute it and then reevaluate it later on and, and see if it was a good plan or not, if you have to adjust it. Do you ever do uh, kind of a stop over time? Like if, if it just it it's a number of days that have gone by and you're not making progress. Um, so maybe you don't reach that level, but it just didn't do what you expected. Is that another aspect to this? Uh, a stock not doing what I expected is. I do stop out with if it's not doing what I expected, but it's going to, the chart usually is going to have to start looking abnormal. So okay. if it doesn't do what I expected, but the chart still looks, it's still healthy and I'm not seeing what I call violations. This is another thing you can read in 
my second book, Think and Trade Like a Champion, I, I show in there the violations and the confirmations. Once the stock breaks out, there's a number of things that I look for that are telling me that this is normal or this is abnormal. So as long as it's acting normal, and this was acting perfectly fine, coming off for a couple of days, there's nothing wrong with that. This is perfectly fine. It's still actually tightening. If you see, it's the, the you know, pulling back, it's of course, inside uh, this 8348. So you're tightening even more. So that's fine. As long as it's tightening up on the right side and, and you're not breaking down, then I would stick with it. Mm -hmm. And what about uh, Temper Sealy, TPX uh, as a symbol? You kind of had a similar situation, I think, with this one, if I remember correctly. Very similar where it, where it pulled back. So I bought this, just make sure I got the date right. I bought this one on uh, 812, which is right here. So that, that right there. And similar to uh, uh, PAG, it pulled back right on the day where it broke out. It came in, which I call a squat. Um, I, I don't usually let that squat uh, knock me out if, unless, unless, you know, their markets, something's going on everything's breaking down. I'm um, having a lot of trouble. Uh, but normally I'm, even if it squats and comes all the way back down, I'm going to give it the full stop. So this, this pulled back, you could see it went inside for a couple of days and then one, two, three comes in for about three days, but not enough to trigger my stop. And then it actually turned, it came back up. And then on this day right here, which is, uh, 825, I believe, right? Yeah. 825. Yeah. I actually added to it right there. Um, and then since I sold this stock, we actually sold the last piece, um, uh, I believe yesterday. Mm -hmm. yeah. And any, any stocks that have kind of done that action where it broke out and then it just didn't work. And, and there, there have been plenty, but maybe you well, can show a few of those. You can show a few of those. Lots of those. What you can kind of learn from them. Uh, and, and I guess this is the difference between, hey, you know, the stocks that you just showed didn't break a rule, so they didn't get their time out you know, and get sold as opposed to these where, Hey, you did, you did a violation, you know, you're, you're out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, of course, the first violations, if it hits your, your, your mathematical stop, your dollar stop, well, and then you're mm -hmm. out. That, that's the ultimate violation. All right. So my violations I'm looking for to see if maybe there's violations before the stop gets hit and it's right. showing me it's not acting normal. And then I might reduce the position or I might sell it if there's some ominous signs. Um, and, and, but normally I'm waiting for my stop to get hit unless I'm seeing those ominous signals in, in this scenario here, of course, um, you know, this broke out right here. I, I bought it right here. So this is a pretty obvious one. You can see big cup with handle tighten up right here. This has really perfect VCP characteristics. You had a really nice move right here where it came yeah. up that right side and then it quieted down and it was really just looking great. The, I mean, it didn't have earnings, you know, and the Mars you see that it doesn't have the, the, uh, the fundamental. So that right there, you know, tells you it's of lesser quality. Um, so, so my, I'm always on guard, but that immediately squatted. Uh, and then I see the next day, bang, it comes in, comes in, and then it just gaps down on earnings and it went right into earnings. So uh, it got out before even the earnings came out. The hope was for this stock to break out. Some people ask if I hold into earnings. Uh, we talked about that earlier, but I didn't, I didn't discuss it as far as risk is concerned. If the stock broke out and I had a cushion, let's say the stock right. broke out and now I'm up 10, 15% then I'll go into that earnings report. And then I have some cushion uh, um, to, to, to withstand uh, a, a, you know, a decline or a gap on the earnings report. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you could talk a little bit about FedEx because this is one where uh, you, you really kind of shifted uh, your thinking on it from you know, something that was looking okay to something that needed to be sold to maybe even something that needed to be sold <sighs> short. 
sometimes we're, we're in a name and we'll be long a name and then not too long later within a matter of you know a couple months or so well it'll be on the short list and we'll be looking to short the same stock um fedex was one of those we're right here uh let's see the date on that that was 527 yep 527 right here i was buying it right here on 527 as it's coming into new high ground uh got this was you know just buying a little pullback this was a little this was a little sketchy to begin with because it wasn't coming out of a big base right here although uh, um you did have some some price action to the left here but uh this was a little uncharacteristic for me um and then it within a couple of days it came right in and just stopped me right out but then you see it it can't rally and then it breaks right here on pretty good volume. And now it's trading below the 200 day. And then it can't rally there. It just goes straight sideways. Um, and then on, uh, it was 913, which is right here. We'll put it on a short sale list right here on 913. And that's where I actually shorted the S&P was on right. this, it was on 913. And since then it rolled over and you can see, here's the real key. The earnings come out now, right? So you see the stock rolled over and it, discounted this earnings report. This was smart money getting out of the stock before the earnings came in. And now you get the negative, you get the negative quarter. So Mark, on that 913, why at that point did, did you, uh, you know, start thinking, okay, maybe now this is not, now's the time. As far as the market, or as far as the FDX? FDX to, to, to short it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is, I didn't actually short this. We put this on our short alert list and just okay. put it as an idea. Uh, oh, to, got it. To, okay. I didn't actually short this stock, but um, I was seeing if it could, I was hoping it could actually bounce and mm -hmm. it could spend a little bit more time and really right. start to get top heavy. Um, and, and it didn't, it just kept going down. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just the fact So you just that, saw the continued weakness and yeah, and it, it, it broke down in the relative strength. What I look yeah. for on the short side is when you break below the 200 day and you can't rally. And then I look for the relative strength line to be hitting a new low. Yes. And that's where I start getting interested. And especially when you get an RS that, you know, maybe it started off as 85. And now yep. just a couple months later, you know, the RS is 22. Yep. That's something yep. that you should be starting to consider for a short sale. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, I really appreciate it. It just seems like there were so many lessons. So this might be one of those podcasts that people have to listen to over and over again. And if they want more of you, of course, uh, you are sometimes a guest on IBD Live. I think your next appearance will be October 27th. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Master Trader Program that's coming up in November. So they can have seven days of you and a lot of your special guests. So, Mark, thanks again for being with us today. Absolutely. Hey, it was it was great being here. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you. Okay. Okay. And on next week's show, we're going to have Nina Decca back on the show. She's a senior research analyst with Robo Global. And I remember listening to Arusha uh, interview her last time. And I was just absolutely fascinated by a lot of the stuff she was talking about with AI and uh, machine learning and everything. So we're really looking forward to having her back on the show. We hope you join us for that. And thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.